You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, how's the tribe today? You guys doing all right? Yeah. Good to hear. We're going to have a good time today. Good time today. Uh, If you're a first-time guest with us, we're really glad that you came to worship with us today at City Tribe Church, and I want to get you up to speed on what we've been talking about. Last week, we started talking about what's called the Hebrides Revival, and you're like, well, what is the Hebrides Revival? It sounds like a really good 90s band or something. Well, what it is is a set of islands off the coast of Scotland, and During the late 40s and early 50s, there's what's called a spiritual revival that took place on those islands. It seems that people who were disinterested in God, people who didn't believe in God, didn't care about God or church or any of that, were somehow uh, mysteriously and spiritually drawn into the churches, drawn into relationship with God. Now, a lot of the historians that have written about this strange movement of God on these islands, is, uh, they, they, they name a guy named Duncan Campbell as the leader. I brought a picture of Duncan Campbell from those days, and I've read transcripts that he has written about his experiences of this revival. And one of the things that he says is this. I brought a quote. I would like to make it perfectly clear that I did not bring revival to the Hebrides. Revival was there before I ever set foot on the island. When I speak of revival, I am not thinking of high-pressure evangelism. I'm not thinking of crusades or special efforts convened and organized by man. That is not in my mind at all. Revival is something altogether different from evangelism on its highest level. Revival, look at this, is a moving of God in the community and suddenly the community becomes God conscious before a word is said by any man representing any special effort. You see what he's getting at there? He's saying, hey, look, this revival was happening long before I got to these islands and it can't be something that's controlled by man, see? And one of the things that he's uh, very quick to point out is that there were these two older ladies that were the real catalyst for this movement of God to happen. You can see a picture of them on screen. This is Peggy and Christine Smith. One was completely blind. The other was crippled by severe arthritis. And these two ladies were burdened for their communities. They went into their little cottage where they lived that they seldom left because of their physical Uh, I guess, struggles, and they would just stay in there and they would pray. And one of the things that bothered them about their church and their community is that there were none of the communities, teenagers or young people in the church, like zero. And this really burdened these ladies and they prayed for this. They, They just started praying in their little cottage. Well, we were inspired by these two ladies last week and we decided we'd like to pray in a revival here. Right? And that's why, as Jake described earlier, we wrote names of people that we're praying for and we stuck them on the back of the sound booth back there on the stage and put them on the stage in the video cafe. If you want to put a name up before you leave today, by all means, uh, come up here and grab one of these, uh, I guess, magic markers and magnets and write it on there and stick it on the front of the stage and our team will pray over it as you pray over these names. And what we're praying for is, like Jake said, Everyone to win one. Would you say that out loud with me when I point to you? You ready? Here we go. Everyone win one. Can we try it again? And those of you that are watching online or in the cafe, could you say it out loud too? Ready? Here we go. 
Everyone win one. That's pretty good. And so I want to go back to those two ladies for a minute, those two older ladies, uh, Christine and Peggy. Um, They were so burdened, they prayed, and God, like, communicated back with them. God talked back to them. Isn't that interesting? And God told, told them that he was going to pour out spiritual water to spiritually thirsty souls. And he gave them a picture of young people filling the church in their community. And here's what happened in response to their prayers. One night, there was a dance in town, and all the teenagers were at a dance. I guess they're just getting jiggy, you know, having a good time at their dance or whatever kids did at their dance, right? They're having a good time. And here's what happened. The, the kids started leaving the dance and they filled up the church like on their own initiative. There was no youth pastor handing out pizza tickets, you know. There was no parents elbowing them, telling them, you got to get to church. But it was these students on their own initiative left this dance, went to the church, bowing in prayer before God. Some students were like begging for God's mercy. Others were like raising their hands in worship. What makes that kind of thing happen? Those of you that are students, teenagers here, you're like, I'm sure that you've probably never been at a party where everybody said, hey, let's blow this joint and go down to the meeting at church, right? I mean, most of the time that's not happening. This is a movement of God and it happened as God was fulfilling a word that he'd given to two prayer warrior older ladies when they were in listening prayer. God spoke back and everybody's cool with prayer as long as we're just talking to God. But when he starts talking back, that's when some people get weirded out. That's why uh, Lily Tomlin, the old comedian said, you know, why is it that when we speak to God, we're said to be praying, but when God speaks to us, we're said to be schizophrenic. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Well, uh, God, does he actually talk back to us today? Um, So today we're gonna be discussing what a lot of people call listening prayer. Because sometimes we pray and we talk, but other times we listen and we hear, from God. Wouldn't you like to hear from God about stuff in your life? Like if you've got a problem at work, wouldn't you like to hear God speak to you a possible solution to what you're dealing with at work? Or those of you that are parents, wouldn't you like to hear from God about the struggles that your kids are having that you would like to help them with? Or some of you are single and you would like to hear from God about your relationship status. You're like, please, Lord Jesus, just bring a status into my relationship, you know, in my relational life. I want to have a relationship. Well, um, I've come to believe over the years that God does actually talk back to us. I I believe that. I didn't used to believe that, but uh, now I do. Um, And uh, I hope that you'll be able to learn to hear God's voice for yourself. And so uh, one of the questions that we sometimes ask is, well, how do you know that it's really God, not just your own thoughts, right? Have you ever thought that? It's like, how do I know that it's God speaking to me and not just me thinking something? Well, I hope to answer that question as well as others as together we look at four truths about hearing from God in prayer. We're going to be studying verse by verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So if you have your phone app Bible, pull that out, open it to 1 Corinthians 2. If you have a physical Bible, you can open up. However you read your Bible, you can open it up. If you want to, you you don't have a Bible in any form, you can just, like a slacker, follow along on the screens. That's okay. But we're going to look at these four truths. The first one is this. God shows us what's beyond human imagination. 
He shows us what's beyond human imagination. If you're a note taker, write that one down at number one. And I got this from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to start studying verse by verse in verse 9. Here he says, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things that God has revealed to who? Us by his spirit, see? So what God does, he shows us stuff that we, could have, we, we couldn't have known. Stuff that is beyond what eyes have seen and ears have heard or that human minds have comprehended, see? So here's how this has played out in my life. I'll just tell you one story on this. Some years ago, I was praying to God about what church building we were supposed to purchase back in those days. Some of you were around here when we were renting the Cameo Theater, and it wasn't the Cameo Theater that you're sitting in today. We did some pretty extensive renovations here. But I can tell you that I did not want to buy the Cameo Theater. And I'll tell you why I didn't want to buy the Cameo Theater, because it had a lot of issues. You know, it had a lot of work to be done on it. In fact, there were times that there were holes in the building. These feral cats would get in and have babies all over the building. There were times where we were in here worshiping, and you can hear a little cat meow, you know, somewhere up in the ceiling in the bowels of the Cameo, right? So uh, I really didn't want to buy it because it was going to be a lot of drama to deal with, you know. Um, But I, I kept having this thought, you're supposed to buy the Cameo. You're supposed to buy the cameo. I was like, Lord, if that's you, if, you know, if that's my thought, then I rebuke myself. But if the, God, if that's your thought, I don't want to buy the cameo. I don't want more cats around. You know, we had so many cats around here. We thought we might change the name of the place from cameo theater to cameow theater. You know, it's just like uh, we, we wanted to move on from it. But I'm sitting there listening prayer and I'm saying, God, what do you want us to do? Well, I ha- and I really didn't want to listen to God anymore because he was telling me what I didn't want to do. He kept saying, buy the Cameo, and I kept saying no. And I opened up my computer, and there was a PDF document on there that I had received because this document was, uh, took place back when the city council was trying to get people with dilapidated buildings to either fix them up or sell them to someone who would. So as I was sitting there praying, I opened up this PDF document, and I want to show you a picture of the cover of this document about buildings in downtown San Antonio. And you can see on this document, the picture there on the right-hand side is the San Antonio courthouse. Then in the middle is the Tower Life building, which is one of the iconic signature buildings in downtown San Antonio. And right to the left of that is what? The Cameo Theater. God's saying it to me. He's like, I'm going to put it right in front of your face. And I'm like, okay, Lord, um, I'm going to listen to that thought that I think it's probably from you that we're supposed to buy the Cameo. And so I finally submitted to the Lord. Um, We purchased the Cameo Theater. And what I did not know back in those days is how the value of the Cameo would increase by today. See? So now the Cameo is worth a lot more money than it used to be when we initially purchased the property. And you know what that means. It means that when and if God leads us to move to another urban property so that we can, you know, handle the growth that's happening around here, that we'll be in a much better financial position to make that move. And the longer we stay here, the more the price goes up, right? The more development that goes on around us and takes up our parking, the more the price of the cameo goes up. And you know why we're in that position today? Because eye has not seen nor ear heard the things that God has revealed to us by 
his spirit, see? So it's like an unfair advantage that we have when we listen to God. Now look at number two. God speaks through thoughts. Now there are a lot of different ways that God can speak to us, but we're gonna drill down on thoughts today. We see that in the next verse here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's what? Thoughts, except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the what? Thoughts of God, except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the Lord, but the spirit who is from God. Uh, We've not, uh, I got that wrong. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. And so here's, let me break it down. God knows his thoughts. You know your thoughts. But when you believe in Christ, the spirit of God comes into you, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit illuminates to your mind, reveals to you the thoughts of of God. Does that mean that you know everything that God knows? No, it does not. All of God's thoughts would explode our little brains, wouldn't they? But what happens is, is God by his spirit reveals in your mind through thoughts we just saw here in 1 Corinthians 2, what God wants to speak to us. He reveals through thoughts his next step. He reveals through thoughts how he wants to further his kingdom in and through us in the world. John Wimber calls it being naturally supernatural. It's not a strange esoteric experience. Rather, it's just a very practical thought about what God wants us to do next. Now, look at number three. God speaks mostly to spirit people. Now, the reason I said mostly to spirit people is because God can talk to whoever he wants to whenever he wants to. But most of the time, God's thoughts or God's word comes to people who are walking in the spirit. We see this in the very next verse, verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 2. Look at it. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So there are certain revelations or words that most of the time only come to people who are walking in the Spirit. And one of the things you need to understand about hearing from God is that hearing from God is more relational than informational. You follow me? It's more relational than informational. God is more interested in going into a deeper relationship with you and I than he is about just giving us information to make us look spiritually. You follow follow that? Um, So in the context of relationship is where God speaks to you and I. And I can look back in my own life to when I was younger and I didn't understand the Bible. I didn't understand why some people would get excited about the Bible. I thought the Bible was boring. I thought there needs to be more pictures in here. I just don't get it, right? Well, then I became a spirit person. And all of a sudden, I could understand. You say, how did you become a spirit person? I submitted my life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. All that means is I was willing to obey what I would read in the book. See? And once I submitted my life to the lordship of Jesus, then 
he was able to illuminate the scriptures in my mind and help me to understand it and see it. I don't understand and know the answer to every Bible trivia question, that's for sure. But I can tell you this, something changed in me. I couldn't get enough of the Bible. I started binge reading it. Uh, you know what I mean by binge reading? Like you binge watch a Netflix show. I just couldn't get enough. I binge read through the Bible because it started speaking to my life, speaking to my heart. But how many of you know that a relationship requires discipline in the relationship? So those of you that are dating someone, guys, men, I want to tell you that she assumes a date every weekend, doesn't she? Those of you that are dating, and she assumes that when, you, when she texts you, you need to text back, don't you, ladies? I mean, some of the ladies are like, you bet, Pastor Doug, you tell that, that jerk, man, he needs to text me back within one minute. That's what it needs to happen. <laughs> See, there's discipline in the relationship. You're regularly getting together and in the same way, there is discipline in your relationship with God. I like the way Henry Nouwen talks about this. He is a Catholic scholar and spirit person. He said, discipline is the creation of boundaries that keep time and space open for God. Solitude requires discipline. Worship requires discipline. Caring for others requires discipline. They all ask us to set apart a time and a place where God's gracious presence can be acknowledged and responded to. So I want to ask you, do you have a time and a space to listen to God? Do you have time for God that you've set aside? It takes discipline, see, um, a, a specific time. And a lot of people would say, well, you know, I don't have time to listen to God. I don't have time to read my Bible and pray and listen to God. I don't have time not to because I'm not smart enough to solve all my problems. So I have to get with God to hear from him, to know what to do next. But what we all have to learn to do is reclaim our time, don't we? Reclaim our time. That means less screen time, less time in front of the mirror, less time on your hair. It's working for me, man. The worse my hair, the better my prayer. That's what I say. I just get out of the shower. I hit it with my hand. I'm out, man. I'm ready to go pray. And so we can reclaim time in order to spend time with God. Here's how it plays out for me. I'll sit at the kitchen table. I'll listen to the word of God on one of the Bible apps, you know, and I listen to the audio version of it. I listen to a story. My wife's sitting next to me. I don't know how she listens to my Bible and reads hers at the same time, but she can mental multitask. And then I go into my study. I pray in the spirit. I visualize that Bible study in my mind. And God speaks to me when I visualize myself inside of the Bible story. But look at number four. God is adamant about speaking to us through our thoughts. God is adamant about speaking to us through our thoughts. He's gonna bring it up again in the text. And anytime you read God repeating something, you know it's an emphasis. He definitely wants us to get this part about his thoughts within our heads in our thoughts. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.16. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? That's in the form of a question, right? So let me ask you, who has known the mind of the Lord as if to instruct him? Well, if someone asked me that question, I would say no one. No one's going to instruct the Lord. However, look at the last part of the verse. I kind of tricked you because I only put part of the verse up there, but you've got to have the whole verse. Look at it. It says, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we 
have the what? Mind of Christ. That's our advantage. We have within us the mind of Christ so that we can understand spiritual truth and spiritual messages to us. It's not just for spiritual elites who get it. Have you ever met someone, they try to act like they're more spiritual than everybody else and that they have all the answers and all that? Well, that's not the way it is with hearing from God. You know how you're qualified to hear from God? You're a sheep. You know what a sheep, how you get to be a sheep? You believe in Jesus because Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, doesn't he? And so if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, you're a sheep and you have the capacity and the ability to hear from God in your thoughts, see? So it's not just for an elite few. But what about when you get silence? Because there are times where I'm sitting down and I'm listening for God in prayer and I don't always get like a picture of the cameo on my computer screen, okay? Um, Sometimes I'm sitting down, I'm listening for God, I'm praying and I've got something particular that I'm asking for a word on. I'm like, God, help me deal with this problem. Will you please talk to me about this? And I get nothing, just silence. Or if I close my eyes, you know, I'm like, God, give me a word, a picture or a thought, a vision, a dream, anything. And it's just kind of the darkness of me closing my eyes. There's nothing there sometimes. Why is that? Well, you know what my, my sense is, is that there are times where I want to talk about something that God doesn't want to talk about. So it's like last week, I wanted to talk to my wife. I was passionate about this. I wanted to talk to my wife about the Dallas Cowboys' choice in their new head coach, okay? I was real excited about it, and she wasn't excited to talk about that. You should pray for her, because if she was more godly and really spent time in the Word, she would care about things that are important to the Lord, like the Dallas Cowboys' coach choice, you know? But she didn't want to talk about that. She wanted to talk about something else probably that was more important, you know? And that's like God. A lot of times we bring this big, heavy request. It's a big deal in our lives to God. And he's like, I've already handled that. I don't don't want to talk about that. He wants to talk about something else, see? Or it's not his time. It's not his timing to give you a word about the thing that you're asking him about. But sometimes I think he just wants to be with us. He says, be still and know that I'm God. So if you get silence from God, maybe it's just that he wants to be in your presence. He wants you to be in his presence. Remember, hearing from God is way more relational than it is informational. And some of us are chatterbugs, right? We just want to talk, 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 and we want God to talk, 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 and God doesn't waste words. When God speaks something, stuff immediately happens, and he's relational. He wants to be with us. So sometimes my wife and I, when we have a night off, we're sitting around at the house Like we're sitting in the den or we go into our bedroom. Maybe one of our pets comes up and sits there and we don't have to talk the whole time. I might be on my phone. She might be reading a a book or vice versa, but we're just, we want to be in the same room together. We just want to be in each other's presence. You ever do that with someone that's a friend or you're in relationship with? You just want to be in the same room with him. And God wants that with you. And if he's not talking the whole time, maybe he's saying, just be still and know that I'm God through the silence. So how do you know the difference between your thoughts and God's thoughts? Because if you have a thought, you're like, is that a God thought or is that a me thought? Well, the overarching principle you got to understand is that the, the more you listen to God, the more you understand his voice. So have you ever had a friend that had a different accent than you have? You know, everybody has an accent of some sort, right? 
But have you ever had a friend that had a different accent than your accent, and the longer you're friends with them, the more you understand their accent and what they're saying, right? Well, the same is true of God. But I gave you a checklist today. Uh, I'm giving you a checklist today of some things that you can look at to discern if a thought comes from God. Number one, does the thought align with the scriptures? That's always first, right? Because God doesn't like to contradict his word. So if you have a thought that tells you to be violent towards someone who is innocent, then that's not going to align with the scriptures, is it? So that's not a God thought. It came from somewhere else. But the second test is, does it bring glory to God? Then third, does it motivate you to love and serve other people. And then the next one is real important, and I'll drill down on this a little bit. Does it give you a sense of peace? Because remember that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, right? So you have a peace in your heart about something that comes from God, a thought that comes from God. The Bible talks about a peace that passes all understanding. And so if there's a decision you're about to make, or if there's a thought that crosses your mind that you don't have a peace about, then it's probably not from God. Now, there are times where God asks us to step out in faith and risk, and it scares us a little bit, right? But when it's of God, there's always a peace in the midst of the risk, see? But look at the last thought. Is it, does it condemn? See, a lot of us condemn ourselves in our own thinking, and my thoughts are often condemning me, but God doesn't like to do that. God likes to encourage us. And you see the pattern in Jesus' life where Jesus started his earthly ministry by receiving identity from God. God gives him encouragement. So remember at Jesus' public baptism, what did the voice from heaven say? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the reason that Jesus could make it through the temptations is because he had first received a word from God about identity. So as soon as God spoke, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, Jesus got baptized and then he immediately goes into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And the temptations of Satan on Jesus in the wilderness were trying to tempt Jesus to get his sense of identity from his performance. Have you ever done that? I have to perform in order to earn my position. I have to perform in order to earn my right standing in my own mind, my right standing before God. So when Satan is tempting Jesus in the wilderness, he says, well, if you really have the identity of being the son of God, then you have to turn those stones into bread. You have to prove it. Or you have to jump off the top of the temple to prove it, and the angels will catch you. And Jesus says, nope, that's not the way I roll. I've already got my identity. I know who I am because I know what the Father has said to me. He said, I'm his son in whom he's well pleased. So with that in mind, would you guys turn to someone next to you and tell them you're a child of God and God's pleased with you? See, that's your identity around here is you're a child of God and God is pleased with you. Now, I struggle with this. Can I tell you? For years, I've struggled with embracing my identity in Christ, especially many years ago when my track record wasn't very good. Have you ever been in one of those times of life where you screwed a bunch of stuff up and man, the enemy really comes in there and tries to attack you in your thoughts and says to you, you know, you suck and all this kind of stuff. Well, back in those years, my wife and I were on the verge of divorce. My career was in the toilet, basically, and it seemed like life was caving in all around me. And, um, you know, this friend comes to us. 
and she's a godly lady. And she said, I've got a word for you. And I'm like, we're all ears, right? And she says, here's the word. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. And I wanted, I so badly wanted to receive that word to be about me. But in my mind, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking that verse is really just encouragement given to a specific group of Jewish people back in the Old Testament of the Bible. That's not for me today. I didn't receive it. Until a couple of days later, I get a package in the mail. And it's from my sister out of state. She had no idea about my conversation with the other lady. She's a godly woman. She sent me something. I open it up, and it's a frame. And guess what's in the frame? It's right there on my wall to this day. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And I'm like, maybe God really is saying it to me now about my life. I received it as a word for me. And it helped us get through a really difficult time in our lives. But can I tell you that sometimes I backslide. Do you ever backslide? You probably don't. Maybe it's just me. Um, but sometimes I backslide in my thinking. And I go back to the old way of thinking, and here's the way it manifests, like just this month. Here's what I was thinking. I was thinking, man, you know, Doug, you're getting old now, and you're going to be worthless to the church because you're just going to get old and decrepit. Nobody's going to need you anymore, and they're just going to kick you out of here. There's no use for you. And the good that's going on in your life, it can't last. It won't last. It'll be over soon. And so I'm trying to take captive every thought like we're supposed to do as Christ followers, right? And evaluate my thoughts. And I'm praying and I'm listening for the Lord. I was like, Lord, what do you want to say? And I look up and there's a little Christmas gift I got this year for Christmas. My wife and I got this Christmas gift from a friend, Joseph, from South Korea. And so he wrote out something in a little frame for us in Korean. And there it is on screen. And if you're like me and you can't read Korean, then he translated it into English on the other side. So if you turn it over, look at it. And there it is. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And I thought to myself, man, Lord, here you go again. <laughs> I'm so stubborn and I don't get it the first time, but you're gracious enough that you remind me again that you have a good plan of hope in a future even for me even though sometimes in my self-talk I just keep in my own head saying how much I suck you're saying no I declare that I have a plan for you that's good see and you know what my sense is today is that this isn't a word just for me but it's a word that God gave to me to give to you And so what I want to do right now is I want us to just practice listening to the Lord. And the way we'll do it is we'll meditate on this verse. Now, this is going to be odd for some of you because we're going to slow down. And we're going to look at each part of the verse. Like we're going to look at just a few words at a time, like a phrase at a time. And I want you to just meditate on each phrase. Do you know what meditating is? It's not something strange and esoteric. 
it's just repeating over and over again in your head. So when you see a phrase on the screen, I'll read it to you. And then I want you to repeat it over and over again in your head. If you need to close your eyes when you're meditating on that phrase, then by all means do that. But let's look at the first one together. Let's meditate on it. For the Lord says, for I know. Meditate on that for a bit. meditate on the next part. The Lord says, for I know the plans I have. Repeat that in your head a little bit. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. Not just for anybody, but for who? You. So meditate on that for you for a minute. Just repeat it in your head. Embrace it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the pastor. No. Declares the Lord. So meditate on that phrase for a minute. Declares the Lord. Just repeat it in your head. Plans to prosper you. Meditate on that. Plans to prosper you. not to do anything to hurt you. So meditate on that phrase and not to harm you. seem hopeless now, but his plans to give you hope. Meditate on that truth for a moment.
and a future, no matter your age or circumstances in life, a future. So just focus on that phrase and a future and repeat it in your head. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes and let that, the truth of these words penetrate your heart that God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And if you've heard that over and over again and meditated on that in prayer as we're praying before Almighty God now, I know what's going on in some of your heads. Some of you are thinking in your own head right now, well, you know, that's not for me because of what I've done wrong. God doesn't want good for me. Pastor Doug, if you knew what I did just this weekend, you would know that God doesn't want good for me. But the truth of scripture is that the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Yes, he does want good for you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He wants good for you. Others of you are thinking like I did. You're thinking to yourself, you know, that's Old Testament Bible. I'm New Testament now, so it doesn't really apply to me. Let me ask you a question. Which covenant's better, the Old Covenant or the New Covenant? I think we know the New Covenant is. So what God wants for you is even better than what you're thinking. Others are thinking, well, I'm too old or I'm physically disabled in some way, handicapped in some way, and God doesn't want good for me. My life's already been lived and it's already been messed up through my physical condition. Can I remind you that Peggy and Christine Smith prayed in the Hebrides revival and they were in their 80s? And one was blind and crippled from, you know, physical problems, arthritis. So God can certainly move in and through you. And others are thinking, you know, God doesn't want good for me because I don't even have a relationship with God. I stay away from God. Well, perhaps in these moments, you're feeling drawn to a loving presence. And that loving presence isn't like you thought. You thought and were told by others, perhaps, that God wants to hammer you. But he says, no, I I don't want to harm you. My plan is to give you a hope and a future. And if you would like a relationship with God, because he's very relational, just talk to him in your thoughts now and just say to him, look, God, I know that I've sinned. But right now, the best I know how, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. He rose again to give me new life. God, I welcome you into my life now in this moment. God, I thank you for 
what you're doing in these wonderful moments of prayer. You're bringing thoughts of encouragement and healing and you're lifting loads from people all over this room. You're telling someone you're a really great mom and I'm just so proud of you. No one sees all that you're going through to take care of your kids, but you're a great mom. There's someone else that is really struggling to stay sexually pure during these days. It's just so hard, but you're trying really hard. You're working at it. And God says, man, I'm just so proud of your efforts. And you may, may have fallen down, but he says, my son, my daughter, get back up. It's okay. Let's get, get back up. You're forgiven now. Let's keep going. Others are trying to provide for their families the best they know how. And God's saying, my son, you're working so hard. And I'm just so proud of the way you love your family so much that you're willing to work like that. I honor you. Father, thank you for all the things that you're speaking to us in our hearts. By way of encouragement. We thank you that you're so good and kind to us. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.